This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 8th, 2019. Glory Conceived. Morning, Connection Church. Welcome to week two of Advent here at CCC. So last week we talked about glory foretold, the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the birth of Jesus. This morning our focus, as you heard in the video, great job by the way, gang, is Oh, on it's their 15th wedding? 10th? 12th. She was close, between 12th. 10 and 15. 12th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Great job. Um, so this morning it's on glory conceived. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's a great day. It's a day where we come and we worship your holy name. Settle us in, O oh God. Open our hearts. Still us so that we can hear what you want us to hear. Experience what you want us to experience. And be changed and transformed by your word. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Glory conceived. So we have this word glory that we keep using through this series. What is glory anyway? Well, it comes from the Latin gloria and basically means something marked by great beauty, splendor, power, magnificence. For our discussion here, though, our focus isn't just on glory, but it's on God's glory. And so what does that mean? Well, Scripture often describes God's glory in terms of light, light that shines brighter than anything on earth. In fact, the light of God's glory is so great that we're told that if somebody sees it, if somebody looks at it, they will die. That's how powerful God's glory, direct glory is. Check out this exchange between Moses and God. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Mm. You know, later in Scripture, we're told that Moses, when he came down, it was like he was badly sunburned. God's glory was so powerful, was so, I think it was like, must be like radioactive almost. That's how powerful this glory is. And so this light is greater than anything on earth, 
And, and, and then it's the outward and visible sign. You know, we talk about that a lot in church, don't we? The outward and visible signs. The outward and visible sign, the manifestation, the culmination of God's beauty, God's splendor, God's power, God's magnificence, God's majesty, God's love. I can't even begin to conceive of, of this glory beyond anything that I know or see or experience here on this earth. We sing a song. Paul, I love it when you sing, I can only imagine. You know, I can only imagine what it will be like to stand in the presence of God. But that's about, I mean, I can only imagine. It's so, so much bigger than my mind can even handle. So what about you? Are, are you with me on that? Yeah. I can't begin to imagine. Yeah. And yet we speak of this glory and somehow try to wrap our brains around it, and we try to conceive of the glory of God. Hmm. And then the word conceive, it's from the Latin contrapere, meaning to take in, to take in, to take in the seed of an idea. We conceive with our brains, right? I conceive of that idea, that notion, our brains, to take in the seed of life, to formulate something in the womb, to become pregnant. And so conception, it's an important theme that runs throughout the scripture. For the ancient Hebrew women, conceiving children was a most important part of their being. And back in that culture, it was, it was crucial for a woman to conceive. It, it, was, it was virtually shameful for them to be barren, to be unable to have children. And yet a list of barren women is almost a who's who of Old Testament women. Sarah, Abraham's wife. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, Rachel, one of Jacob's wives, Samson's mother, the list goes on and on. Women who were barren until God miraculously intervened. You know, some of you here today are praying for God's intervention as well along those lines, and we stand with you in that prayer. God's glory. God's majesty, God's magnificence, it might be difficult to conceive in our brains, but was literally conceived in the womb of a young girl named Mary. And in that culture, it was not unusual for young girls to get married. Mary was thought to be 13 or 14 years old at the time when God sent the angel to deliver the news to Mary. In the sixth month, we read in Luke 1, verses 26 through 29, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was, say it with me, Mary. Yeah. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. You got to watch it when you get that greeting. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is with you. <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> so just prior to this passage, Luke, the writer of this, shares that Elizabeth, a relative of Mary's, thought to be a cousin. She was pregnant in her old age after being barren for many, many years. And the child that she was carrying was John. We talked about John a little bit last week. John the baptizer, he 
actually baptized Jesus in the Jordan as he began, began his ministry. And the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, telling her that she is highly favored, that God is with her. <coughs> this news troubles Mary. And when I think of trouble, like that word trouble, like not in a, it's like she's probably like, what, what is this about? Not in a, a, a yucky way, but in a, huh, what is this? It troubles her, and she wonders what kind of greeting this is. And we read on uh, verses 30 to 33. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him, say it with me, Jesus. Yeah. He will be great be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. And so the angel outlines this whole plan, starting with the do not be afraid. <laughs> it's the same thing that Elizabeth's husband was told when he was gripped with fear when confronted by an angel of the Lord, an angel who told him that his barren wife would give birth. And also, the, um, Mary's fiancé, Joseph, he will be told by an angel of the Lord that, in a dream, to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife, as the child that she's carrying was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid. That's a theme that we read throughout. Do not be afraid is what the angel of the Lord will say to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth as they watch over the flocks and see the glory of the Lord. There's that word, the glory of the Lord. The glory that the Lord shone all around them and, and filled them, actually it filled them with fear. The theme here is that we have no reason to fear. Say no reason to fear. No reason to fear. Absolutely. When Jesus is around. Amen. And the angel continues then telling Mary that she will conceive and give birth to a son and his name will be Jesus. He'll be great. Son of the Most High, the Most High God, sitting on David's throne and reigning over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 37. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now, this next sentence just like hit me in the face yesterday. I've read this so many times, but it was like, it, it almost brought me to tears. For no word from God will ever fail. Did you hear that? Read that. For no word from God will ever fail. <laughs> so Mary has a valid question, doesn't she? How will this be since I am a virgin? If we've had 
by a basic biology in school, I think that's a fair question, isn't it? She can't conceive of how she'll conceive. <laughs> and so the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. She's not given, and we're not given the biological details here, are we? She doesn't need them, and neither do we. In fact, if we were given them, we'd probably just ask more questions. Suffice to say, God has the power to impregnate a virgin, in this case, Mary. God's glory conceived. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. And so Mary acquiesces. She, she says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. May the word be fulfilled in me. She trusts. She's faithful. She obeys, even though she certainly wouldn't understand what's going on. And it's not really that she had a choice here. I mean, it's like she was voluntold by this angel. But she doesn't fight it. We read nowhere where she puts up any kind of fight at all. She's like, okay, may it be as you've said. And back in that time, there was just grave consequences for women who were pregnant, who were thought to be adulterers, who they could have thought that of Mary. And she said, okay, anyway, that actually is hard for me to conceive. That is amazing. She's God's servant, and she is ready for God's word, God's promise to be fulfilled in her literally. And so this child she will carry will be the son of God. Actually, the son of God conceived by God's Holy Spirit, fully divine and yet fully human. God's beauty, God's splendor, God's power, God's magnificence, God's majesty, God's love in a word, God's glory come to earth wrapped in skin like you and me, light of the world, light of the world. For many of us, this is a little tough to conceive, this idea that Jesus is fully human and yet fully divine. How does that work? I mean, we've all had math. You know, 50-50 makes sense. How do you get 100-100? Uh, remember, we're in God's world now. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> fully human, fully divine. Fully human. Jesus shares all of the human attributes that, that we share, other than having sinned. He felt pain. He felt joy. He felt experienced friendship. He felt lonely. He felt supported. He felt betrayed. He felt hungry. He felt tired. He felt tempted, and he even felt separated from God the Father. When on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, fully human, has been where we've been. Jesus gets us. Jesus understands us. And yet Jesus is fully divine fully divine, sinless perfection, like father, like son, spitting image of daddy. <laughs> yeah, I said daddy. 
That's the word Jesus used when praying in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to the rest and crucifixion. Abba, Father. It means Father, but it has the implication that uh, even today, Jewish children, when they say Abba to, for their father, it's the equivalent of us saying Daddy. Yeah, Daddy, that's the word he used. That's how close Jesus was to God the Father. Godly perfection in human form to walk with us, talk with us, to live with us, and to die for us. So what may be even tougher for us to conceive is how an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God, a God whose Holy Spirit can conceive a child in the womb of Mary, how can this God let bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? I mean, if God is great and God is good, which he is, then God not only has the means to alleviate pain and suffering, but would have the desire, or so it would seem. That's hmm. a question that theologians, philosophers, Christians, non-Christians alike have wrestled with for a very long time. Uh, basically since the fall of humankind in the garden. <laughs> you know, prior to that it was paradise. Perfection, no pain. No suffering. And then sin entered the world, and we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. That's the given at this point. And then we wonder, well, why did God allow that? Why did you know God's all powerful? Why did he allow the fall? And it's quite simply because God wants us to have freedom. The freedom to choose. Forcing us to love him isn't love at all, is it? If you're forced to love, that's not love. And so God gives us choice. We choose to love him, choose to love one another. But by giving us this freedom, there's pain and suffering. And in fact, God himself, God self experiences pain and suffering as a result of this allowing us choice. Because we're free not only to choose God, but we also are free to choose not God. And all too often, that's our choice, isn't it? Painful as that is to one another, to ourselves, but especially to God. That's what happened in the garden when we fell. And that's what's been happening ever since. They chose contrary to God. And God's been feeling the pain ever since that happened. And so have we. So do we. There are lots of kinds of pain and suffering. I, I really don't need to talk to you guys about it. We've all had it. We've all experienced different things, uh, physical, relational, emotional, psychological, even spiritual. Pain and suffering can be due to systematic evil. There's a lot of that. It can be due to prejudice. There's a lot of that. It can be due to self-centeredness. There's a lot of that. <laughs> How about illness? There's a lot of that. Tragedy due to bad choices by ourselves or by others. And it's really, really confusing. It's hard to conceive of a loving God who would allow pain and suffering, especially to those who don't deserve it, especially to those who didn't bring it on themselves. And 
I'm going to put myself out there. I think that we probably have all struggled with this whole concept at some point in our lives, if not even right now. And we can try and search for answers for this, and we can say, you know, God has a plan, and, and that's about the best we can do, isn't it? God knows better than we, and God can use those pains and sufferings for God's glory. And so at the end of the day, we still sometimes don't get the answer that we want, do we? The answer we might be looking for. And we're not going to give you that today because we don't have it any, any more than anybody else. But here's the thing. Here's the thing to take away. Because of God's glory conceived, which we're talking about this morning, that glory in the person of Jesus Christ, we have hope. Can you say hope with me? Hope. hope. Can you say, I have hope? I have hope because of Jesus Christ. Yeah. See, God's glory conceived can pierce the darkness. God's glory conceived can help us take one more step when we thought we'd taken the last one we could take. God's glory conceived can help us to breathe one more breath. Can help us to hold on to God's promises even in the midst of pain and suffering that we don't understand. And here's the other thing. God's promise is that God will be with us through it all. Through it all in the midst of the storm, in the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of the challenges in our lives. And he's not only with us, but he chose literally to come down from heaven, packing his glory into human form, into Jesus to walk with us and talk with us, to be with us, to come and reside in us, loving us, loving us so much because he knew that we would be struggling with all this. And Jesus is like a breath away when we just say Jesus. And that has carried me through a lot of stuff. And I know many of us. All we need to do is say the name of Jesus. And it kind of changes the whole picture. From dark to light. Fully human, fully divine. So the question for us today is, um, are we able to truly conceive this? Truly able to conceive that God's glory has been conceived in a person, a human being, like you, like me. That second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that second person of the Trinity left heaven, left heaven, was impregnated in Mary by the Holy Spirit, surrounded by the life-sustaining waters of the womb, just like you and me. And then entered the world a baby. A baby. Wrapped in claws, placed in a manger, in a stable, because the inn was full. Can we conceive that God did all this quite simply because he loves us? Why? 
<laughs> Some days you got to wonder. <laughs> well, it's because we're his creation, and don't you love what you create? He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. So much that he brought his only son to earth to live and to die for your sins and mine so that we might live forever in God's kingdom, world without end. Can we conceive that the glory of the Father was brought to us in the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might not perish but have eternal life? Wow. That's what God's glory conceived is all about. The question is, have you allowed that idea to be conceived in your brain, in your spirit, in your very soul? If so, hallelujah. 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 And if not, why not open yourself up today to the possibility of that relationship with Jesus Christ, the one whose birth we so look forward to this coming Christmas Day? Why not today stop saying no (laughs) and just say yes to the one who wants to save you. Say yes to the one who came from God's glory, was conceived in Mary, and was born for you and me. That's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, I... um, you know, I, I, my, my pea-sized brain has trouble conceiving all this, but I trust and I believe and I have faith, and I know that your seed in Mary took root and developed into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that each one here this morning, Lord, will know Jesus in a personal way. I I pray that those here today who do not know him as their personal Savior would open themselves up to that possibility. I pray that your Holy Spirit would invade each one here today and allow us to know you in a more glorious way and would be able to realize how you conceived the Savior of the world so long, long ago. We pray these things in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.